Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. ESPN Radio for Western Montana. 2.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana. And 102.9 Missoula. Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. The total number of FCS playoff teams goes from 24 to 16. The auto bids go up from 10 to 11. And also some football and also some coaches and players. It is Tutel and Nuanas. It is 1029 ESPN Radio. It is SWX Montana Television across the state of Montana. Great to be with you on this very, very fine Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are doing well. Great to be with you. Thanks for letting us ride along with you this afternoon. Uh, let's take a look at what we got in the show today. First of all, we're going to open with what I just commented on there, the adjustments which we discussed a little bit yesterday but have found out even more to what the FCS playoff is going to look like in the spring should one uh, in fact take place so we will get into that a little bit we are happy here shortly in fact in about 15 or uh, 17 minutes from now to be joined by Daniel Britt he is the new University of Montana commit from uh, Liberty High School in Las Vegas so we will talk to him about his commitment to Bobby Houck and the University of Montana Grizzlies top of the hour we're happy to talk to Bryce Carver Bryce 
Bryce Carver back on the show, the head coach of the Hamilton Bronx football team. Hamilton, an outstanding victory this past Friday over Dillon. They are now 4-0. They are the uh, number one team in Class A, certainly in the West uh, at this moment in time. And they have a big matchup again with Frenchtown, who's still 3-1 and one and uh, looking very good in this young season. Well, so we will talk with uh, Coach Carver as well. We may get into some NFL stuff. The Raiders! christening the new stadium and getting a win over the uh looking okay but also not like great new orleans saints so we'll get into that game a little bit last night and game three and talk about the all-time gots to have it i mean game two was probably the gots to have it game the way it went for the denver nuggets but lakers nuggets game three tonight we will have that for you here on espn radio at about 6 30 if you want to call you want to be part of the show we'd love it 361-3688 the phone number oh all guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that line. Text in 361-3688. Get us that way. You can also listen live on the stream, 1029ESPN.com. The stream is available anytime you would like it. You can listen to this show live from 4 to 6 every weekday afternoon. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, hello. Nice to see you. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, we so do. let's I'm get to it. I'm already worn out from everything that we've been doing already Man. all day. Well, it's all for you, the listeners That's and right. viewers. That's right. Uh, but we've been gabbing all day, but it was really cool. Last couple days have been really cool. I'm loving this Grizz Greats, man. It's yep. awesome. It's so sweet. I, I, I told Jason Krebo this to his face, but when I was a kid, Jason Krebo was like second only to Lawrence Taylor as sports icons for yeah. me. And so then to do a Grizz Greats episode with him 25 years later and have myself be a man and him be a man, it so, it's just so interesting, the dichotomy of life. But we have some... We've done a whole bunch of Grizz Greats episodes, so keep staying tuned for that. Like you mentioned, talk to Bryce Carver. He's going to be in the middle of practice right now, so we had to get him a little bit earlier this morning. Yep. Great conversation with him. Talk to Gresh Jones, the little Sullivan Award winner, so we'll have that interview for you tomorrow as long, along with Catherine Rousseau, the female... Little Sullivan Award winner, so that'll be our ESPN roundtable for tomorrow. I also recorded a cool podcast. We'll give you more information on that as well. It's pertaining to Grizz Grace, but with somebody else kind of asking us questions. So we'll let you know more about that. But I do want to get to this because I do think it's fascinating, and we'll circle back around to this later on in the show as well. The SCS playoffs, as we mentioned earlier, the Division I Council approved a timeline for and a structure for the FCS playoffs. The main points being that it's going to start in mid-April, end in mid-May. I think April 24th, I think, was their first round date. I believe that's right. First first round date. I think May, either 15th, 16th, 17th, or 18th could be the championship, depending on where the TV scheduling and all that falls. Okay. That's here nor there, though. The biggest news of it was the reduction of the playoff field from 24 to 16 teams. Well, then today, that went in front of a different board that had to be the final say of this thing, and they approved that, and they also approved that there'll be 11 at-large bids, five, excuse me, 11 automatic bids, five at-large bids. The MEAC will get an automatic bid. I think that they did that in an effort to get as many conferences as possible to play because I think that the bylaw still exists that half of your subdivision needs to participate for there to be a postseason period. So we still have that number. The Ivy League does not participate. So I believe the number is 55 because 110, I believe, is the number of institutions minus the Ivy League for postseason eligibility. I think that on one hand, the 11 auto bids is enticing for the rest of the country to play. I think it also causes for a a huge nightmare, especially when it comes to the Big Sky Conference and the Missouri Valley Football Conference. We could have an eight or even nine-win team that got third in the league in the Big Sky or the Missouri Valley that feasibly could, could, 
be left out of the playoff picture. Uh, it's interesting. The MEAC, by the way, as a member of the FCS, has always played a what what is a national championship for a heritage. They call it the Heritage Bowl. It's usually the first bowl or right at the on the first day of bowls of bowl season, and it is uh, between you know basically the two best MEACs, which are the HBCUs in within the FCS uh, level. But then they normally do not participate then in the FCS national tournament. Uh, because that is kind of what they're playing towards is a, is is a national championship there. So now they're going to be included into this. One thing I'm interested in is is where we're at with just bulls in general, general, which we have not gotten into at the FBS level at all. But that's for another day. But this, you know, I I like this in in terms of what you're saying. I think that you know another seat at the table is 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 well and good. But the, again, the 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 winners, the number of the number of conferences that are vying for auto bids um, is significant, and these conferences are so so disparate in terms of their level of competition within them, particularly at the top. I mean, you can talk about all day long how the SEC is the best football conference, and you're probably right. And then the Big Ten is you know probably next and right there. And then maybe the the, the Pac-12 is 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 behind, and maybe significantly behind the SEC and the Big Ten. But I'll tell you what, man. There is a competitive equality conference to conference of the Power Five level that is that is, I mean it makes them look almost identical comparatively speaking. I mean when you talk about the best FCS conferences of the the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky and the football that's being played there compared to some of these other non scholarship, for instance, Pioneer League schools uh, or, or or conferences. Um, if it's a twenty four team field i love the fact that everybody gets a seat at the table when it's 16 and now you're adding even an 11th one the five teams that are going to get in are going to be really good top of the uh, top of the nation level teams yep. and there's going to be three or four or five teams that are not going to be playing in this postseason this year that are going to be better than half the field that is there let's overlay this with last season last season four teams in the big sky conference went uh nine and two during the regular season and Excuse me. Now it was a twelve-game season last year, so four teams won at least nine games in the regular season a year ago, yeah. and they all four of them received playoff seeds. But in this exact scenario, the way last season finished, Montana destroys Weaver State in their home finale, the number three team in the nation, and leaps to number five in the polls. Then they go to Bozeman and they get thrashed, forty-eight fourteen by the Bobcats. In that scenario, given everything that had already played out throughout the season. The most likely scenario for the Big Sky would have been that Montana kills Weber State and then loses in Bozeman and misses the playoffs, but the Cats also miss the playoffs. So basically you have two top six teams with nine wins sitting at home. Uh, here's the interesting thing. The last game that will be played before the selection happens, if in fact this all happens the way it's sort of proposed, we Montana versus Montana State. And guess what? Somebody's losing that football That's game. Right. Now, we got no idea, obviously, how the season sets up. And maybe they both roll in there with goose eggs in the loss column. You know, they're only playing eight games. They're all conference games. Maybe they're both 7-0. and oh. Maybe yeah. they're 1-2 and two in the Big Sky Conference. And you know what? That's that's entirely plausible. I mean, these are going to be no two doubt. very good teams that are going to be at the top of the Big Sky this season. And maybe they roll through unblemished. And, and so maybe it's kind of all good. But... If they both have even one loss, the loser of that game is on the way outside looking into a national tournament that is only going to have five at-large teams in the country getting into it. 
I've talked to, and I'm not going to go out there and say I have all the athletic directors in the West in my back pocket, but I have talked to a, a lot of athletic directors big pocket. around the big sky and around the West. And at least three athletic directors who I consider to have uh, great knowledge of the situation as well as great clout on the FCS landscape all echoed similar sentiments. Those sentiments are these, that the NCAA is making broad and what on the surface look like inviting changes to promote and maybe renew optimism about this level of football. But in reality, when you dive into what all of these things entail and what they mean for individual schools, especially powerful schools like the Montana schools, most of what they're proposing is not going to be attainable and or desirable. It was the same thing with all of the rules, with all the COVID-19 testing and stuff like that. Before we had this quick turnaround testing that's way more efficient and way cheaper, even if schools would have wanted to roll the dice and play, they wouldn't have been able to because they wouldn't have been able to afford it. I'm so interested to see what the reaction is to this playoff format because I still just think that there's going to be a lot less than people think in terms of teams that are ready to and or willing to play in the spring for a variety of different reasons. There's there's The, the reasons just in the big sky spread the entire gamut from geography and where you're located and what the uh, pandemic situation is like where you're from to the number one reason the West Coast schools are going to not want to play this spring has nothing to do with coronavirus. It has to do with the fact that those schools need to play their football season when the Power Five plays because they need to play Power Five games to be sustainable. Portland State's not going to want to play any games in the spring if that means sacrificing potentially two money games and two plus million dollars in the fall. And the, but then you talk about what the Montana schools, we've talked about that extensively, what they have to lose. I'm just, I'm so interested to see because it seems as if broadly this framework seems enticing or it seems to give people optimism of, oh man, we actually have a plan for when football is going to return in the spring. I just don't know if it's that easy. One thing I'd be interested to know, uh, and I don't think it's knowable at this time, even for even for the the, the two inf- individuals who'd be centrally involved in it, that being Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate. But what would your orientation be to a spring season uh, in terms of what is it that you really like at your at at your most fundamental level as a football coach want to get out of this season? What I'm saying is. When you go into a full fall season, these two teams, these two coaches, these two programs have one goal at the top, and that's to go win a trophy, win a national championship, right? But the point is is that they're all in to be as good as they can be each and every week, pile up the wins, win a Big Sky Conference, go to the postseason, try and get a bye, and run as far as you can into the postseason, right? I mean, the, the point is you're all in to win. And if you're playing football, you're trying to win the game, I believe Herm Edwards stamp that home to us that said if you have a spring season but you are centrally focused on the fall of 2021 which both these coaches we know have are on the record saying that the the, essentially their number one priority is that the fall of 21 20 of 2021 that that season is intact and 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 ready to roll you know what i mean so if they treat a spring season, regardless of what it is, like a glorified spring 
spring football, right? Like an opportunity to simply prepare for the fall of 2021. That changes the way you, you know, go about everything, right? If you're, if your really ultimate goal isn't to win this this spring season and a spring championship or whatever, but is in fact just to sort of get your get your team as. Uh, to, to whatever height or whatever place you want them to be so that when the time comes to go into the offseason, which will be short anyway, and then get ready for the fall of 2021, if that's the ultimate goal, uh, that changes your orientation to the whole thing regardless. And also, I mean, changes what you even feel about going to the postseason. I mean, I think there's some coaches like, well, yeah, I mean, it's of course you want to go to the playoffs. That's the point of this thing. But also, if it's spring playoffs and I can be done a month early and my guys are getting ready for what I actually care about, what we actually care about, fall of 2021, uh, it's a, you know, I, I think there's a, a there's multiple dynamics at work here. The number one factor amongst college football coaches and the culture that exists within that umbrella of humans is that they are creatures of habit more than any other Mm. profession maybe in America. They've already had the entire thing derailed. If you could tell these coaches that starting in December, you can click in to 2021 mode and go back to this 365-day regimen that they have on lock. That's what they're going to want to do yeah. more than any other thing. No yeah. matter what, sacrifice the spring, everything. They're going to want to lock in recruiting, winter conditioning, spring ball, summer, fall. They want to do it that way. Yeah, The adjustments is not part of the the uh, fabric of what makes these guys who they are. We will talk more about this in the next hour, but we got to take a break because Daniel Britt, the uh, newest or one of the newest uh, Grizzly commits. He's a quarterback from Liberty High School in uh, Las Vegas. He's going to join us live. He's going to join us right after this. Hey, by the way, speaking of live, have you tried live? It's a Trail West Bank. Think an ATM with a personal touch. A friendly team member is on video. They help you bank your way no matter where you are. See how live can make your busy life a little easier. Make deposits, withdrawals, transfer funds, and more live from Trail West Bank. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We're uh, happy to be with you here on uh, ESPN and SWX Montana Television. We uh, always are trying to track, well, everybody everywhere going into uh, the Big Sky Conference and specifically going to the University of Montana and Montana State. We have one such individual with us now. We go now to the Raggish Brothers RV phone line. We're happy to welcome in Daniel Britt. He is a senior quarterback at Liberty High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. He is committed to the University of Montana to uh, play football for the Montana Grizzlies and Bobby Houck. Daniel, thank you so much for being with us. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, we're certainly happy to have you here and uh, several things to get to. Now, 
at this point, everybody sort of expects like somebody from Nevada and the Vegas area is headed to the University of Montana after, you know, obviously Bobby Houck spent quite a bit of time in Las Vegas at UNLV. But what was your connection to the University of Montana and how'd you get on their radar and vice versa? Well, I was actually the type of guy that, uh, that sent my own recruiting film out and I just happened to get in contact with Coach Rosie and he was letting me know that Coach Alex has been out to Vegas and coached at UNLV for quite a while. And I felt that was just a connection I had with him was that he understands that a kid from Vegas can can come to the to a place like Montana and be successful. And that's kind of what, what really had my attention with Montana. Two elements I want to ask you about there that's very interesting. By the way, Coulter Nuanas, I'm the one you've been communicating with. Thanks so much for setting this up and coming on the show with us, man. But number one, you mentioned making it out of Vegas, and it's such an interesting deal be, trying to be recruited in the city of Las Vegas because on one hand, it's one of the big cities in the inland western United States, one of the only non-coastal cities with multiple millions of people and obviously a worldwide reputation for a lot of different things. Not a lot of it's high school football, though. I know there's great high school football played there, but sometimes the exposure may be harder to come by than maybe you'd expect. What's it like trying to make it as a prospect in Las Vegas right now? Yes, I mean you said it perfect. It's like Vegas isn't isn't too too highly recruited, just because I mean a lot of th- a lot of people think football isn't too big out here, but it, it really is. We got we got top teams out here like obviously us at Liberty, Bishop Gorman, Desert Pines, and for a lot of kids it's just it's pretty hard to get recruited. So I mean that that's kind of where I took it into my own hands, and just every single day I'd, I'd send out my my film to a whole bunch of coaches and. I mean, Montana kind of caught my attention knowing that they're a really top school and they compete for the the FCS championship every year. They make the playoffs every year. Um, They're just a winning program. So, I mean, they they just really caught my attention when I was going through that. A lot of my coaches over at Liberty have actually been up to Montana and one of my coaches, our special teams coach, was the punter at Tennessee a while back and uh, he coached for Montana State. But he said that Montana's just absolutely a place that anyone should want to be. Just the atmosphere is amazing up there. And um, I, mean, I just I kind of took their word for it. And just uh, the relationships I've made with the coaches are, are amazing. So is that Coach Harrington that, that's working down there with you? There you go. Well, if he tells you <laughs> stories about how once upon a time he was the best punter in the Big Sky Conference, he's not lying <laughs> to you. The guy had one of the greatest legs I've ever seen. He, I mean, he was 50 yards plus per punt every single time. He was ridiculous playing in that dome at Idaho State. I tell him Coulter Nuwana said hi. I, I think he'll probably remember me there from you his go. day Name in Montana there. State. Uh, but, but, Daniel, you mentioned just being intrigued by Montana right away. On the other hand, yeah, though, I'm sure Montana was intrigued by you right away, too, because the first time I watched your film, I, I thought to myself right away, this is a quarterback that Tim Rosenbaugh would love because Coach Rosie, he loves athletic guys who can get out on the edge, throw on the run, all that sort of stuff. So were they really excited about you, too, and how do you think your skill set fits into what Coach Rosie likes to do on offense? Yeah, he, he, they seemed like they loved me right away. It's something a, a recruit really wants to hear is just how much a school wants him, and one of the biggest things that Coach Rosie and the rest of the staff told me was they don't care about my height. They don't care about how big I am or anything. They, they've seen my film. They know, I, they know how I can play. And they're just, they're just as hyped for me as I am to get up there. But um, I feel like I can really fit into the offense because someone, someone like Dalton Sneed, I, just, I see a lot of my game in his. Um, he's probably a little bigger guy than me, I'd imagine. Uh, but 
I just I, I see me kind of shaping out to be like that up at Montana, if not better. Uh, Daniel Britt joining us. He's quarterback at Liberty High School in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. He's a senior there. And uh, Daniel, I want to go back to something that Coulter mentioned there. Uh, Las Vegas isn't on the coast. <laughs> no, I'm just playing with you, man. I know it's the desert. Okay, <laughs> he just didn't. He wasn't quite sure about the Montana guy and his geography. You could hear it in the pregnant pause that I got out of Daniel right there. Ryan's a worldly man, but he doesn't actually remember anything. No, I don't. I don't remember anything whatsoever. <laughs> hey, uh, I got to ask you this though, man. Just being in Vegas, and you talked about you know Las Vegas, not really thought of as like a football hotbed or whatever, but. The Raiders just opened things up with a dub last night in the city. What's the atmosphere been like around around the city of Las Vegas welcoming in now your second professional franchise, but obviously the NFL, the, 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 the king of them all, right, when it comes to pro sports. So what was that like to be in Vegas and, and to have that experience last night, even though, of course, yeah, we know nobody was at the game? Oh, man, three years ago, just driving past, past where they were going to build the stadium, just watching them just do, dump all the dirt down and just like since then I mean you've just we've all seen the stadium become what it is and uh last night was amazing watching them get their first win in, in Vegas I mean I, I had a whole bunch of kids texting me people that work on the strip were texting me just sending me videos of how hyped the whole city was um everyone's just jumping up and down in the Raiders gear and I mean for, for them to beat someone like the Saints on the opening game in the stadium is, is pretty big well, speaking of Las Vegas and high school football, you mentioned Bishop Gorman. That's a name that people that follow recruiting and high school football at the national level know for sure. They've been a perennial top 20 program, a team that's won, I think, their division of Nevada high school football 10-plus years in a row. But last year, you guys took them down in overtime 30-24. to 24, And I, was, I, have, I even remember reading about it before I even knew who you were because it was a story that was, I mean, it resonated around the West for sure. First time Bishop Gorman had lost to a Nevada team since 2008. Take us through that evening. That must have been a thrill for you. How were you guys able to knock off a dynasty like Bishop Gorman? Yeah, so for someone like me, it's just I've been around the Liberty culture since I was in eighth grade, and it's just I've I've watched them get absolutely. I've watched Bishop Gorman absolutely like demolish us every single year. I mean, obviously we got a little closer every single year, but I mean, I I told my coach, I told Coach Morocco, and I told all my teammates that I was going to be the guy to come in and, and do it. I, I promised him. And my the rest of my class, class of 21, we all said the same thing, and it was just something we were really confident about. And we've we've never prepared for a game like Bishop Gorman this past season, like ever in my life. But we uh we'd be playing like a different team that week, like a team like Green Valley, and we'd watch film on them for about five minutes, and then go to like 45 minutes of Bishop Gorman. So it was just preparation for us, and and it's just something I feel like. Since we did this throughout the year, when I get when I get to college, this is the type of preparation I'm going to be needing throughout a week um, to get prepared for a team. And and that Bishop Gorman game was just, I mean, as a lot know, we were we were down in the first half, and we we kind of just had the hope and the motivation that we weren't going to lose. Um, I kind of led the offense back out to scoring drives every single time we got in the field, and that's just it was, it was down and distance game that kind of won us. Again, you know, Daniel, uh, you go back a couple of years, and I know in spring ball you experienced a pretty significant injury. In fact, you said, "quote it, 
you broke your face, which sounds pretty significant to me. Many people would argue that's what's happened to me. So I guess I can commiserate in a certain sense. But what happened, not so much with the injury per se, but in terms of being hurt, being low then on the depth chart, having to work back from that and work back into, you know, a, a starting spot and getting playing time and, and just sort of overcoming that adversity. Yeah, I mean, so obviously in that kind of moment, you lose all confidence. You just, you have no hope that you're going to be able to get back on the field, especially when your doctor is the one telling you you're not going to be able to play again. And, I mean, that, as a kid that's trying to be recruited, had dreams of playing in Division One football, um, you just, you kind of, you just don't have any hope. Yeah. And knowing that I was fourth on the depth chart, even if I was able to come back, I knew that was going to be really tough. I had, I had three amazing quarterbacks sitting in front of me, and the only thing that really stood out for me was that I was a dual threat quarterback. I was, I was able to extend plays when things broke down. And, um, kind of when I got my first, my first start in week six, I just kind of showed out from there because I got a few reps in some of our big time games against St. Joe Bosco and Centennial Corona. Um, and, and I played really well and the coaches kind of just, kind of just had faith in me, gained a little faith in me, and um, wanted to start in week six, and from there, we just went 10-0. and 0. Throughout the recruiting process, I know you said you were kind of believing in yourself and helping yourself get recruited, but what's it like right now for you, the fact that, that a lot of these schools, I, in fact, probably all of the schools, you can't go visit, uh, committed to Montana, but I mean, have you ever even been to Missoula? No, I haven't, but I'll actually be down there October 2nd through the 5th, which is next weekend, um, coming down with my family. And uh, sorry. And then we're, we're planning on just checking out the city and uh, just hearing everything that, like, everyone's telling me. I mean, I just heard it's an absolutely beautiful place to be. It's a beautiful coastal town <laughs> right here on the open ocean. You're going to love it, Daniel. <laughs> Ignore him. It's fine. But I mean, are you excited yeah. to come to come check out Missoula? I mean, it, it, has it been weird, you know, going through the recruiting process and committing to a place when you haven't actually seen it? And are you excited to come check it out? Well, like I said, I, I just had so much faith in in all the people that were around me because a lot of people have, like know know me. Like my family members, they've been, all been to Montana, they've passed through Missoula, and they know me. So they just told me that's a place I'd love to be. And yeah, I'm 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 extremely excited to be able to go to go check it out next weekend. Well, Daniel, we're excited to uh, have you in Montana next weekend, and then for your college career after that, man. I know that you're pumped up about it, certainly to uh, to go to Division One level and play football, and we'll look forward to having you here and uh, and in person when you get here. All right. Yes, sir. All right. Congratulations to you. Excited to uh, to to track your career as you uh, as you become a Grizzly. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And go Grizz. There you go, Daniel Britt, Liberty High School, Las Vegas quarterback. I mean, what more do you want than that? I mean, that's 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 confidence. It's edge. It's also uh, well spoken, clear. I mean, that's great. We've been having this discussion for about three years now. The infiltration of the concept of prototypes in recruiting at the FCS level, I find exhausting and largely incorrect. I think that you can get guys 
that have a higher level of athleticism and talent that may, maybe are a far cry from the actual prototype than the opposite. Chances are if guys fit the quote-unquote new age football prototype at cornerback or at offensive lineman or at quarterback, it's because they can't play. They might be able to play someday, right. but they can't play now. Right. If you're a six-six quarterback that can throw the ball a country mile, there's a reason you're going to the FCS. Yeah. If you're a 6'6", 300-pound offensive lineman and you go to the FCS and you're from a place that gets recruited, particularly if you're from a place that gets recruited, right? If you're from a, a metropolitan area, the chances of you being a bust at the FCS to me are so high mm. because you're a developmental player, but not in the natural trajectory of what a developmental player is. Recruiting the 6'6", 220-pound offensive lineman from a Class A school who can just come to the college program and eat and lift weights and just get bigger just naturally, that's so much easier of a transition than trying to teach someone who's already 6'5", 310 pounds when they're 17 years old to be athletic. It's yeah. so hard to learn to be athletic. If you're a great it's athlete... It's in fact impossible, so I've found out. <laughs> exactly. But that's what I'm talking about with this Daniel Britt kid. I love that Bobby Houck and Tim Rosenbaugh and the Grizz staff are not saying, oh man, if you're under 6'2", we're not going to... We're not going to go down this route. First of all, I think that the, the game of football is already changing, but it's about to 100% have a tipping point where prototype size for quarterbacks is absolutely irrelevant. Because right now, the best quarterbacks in the world, Patrick Mahomes is the tallest of them, and he's 6'2". <laughs> Maybe. He probably isn't even 6'2". He's listed at 6'2". Yeah. But like Russell Wilson is five foot ten and a half. I just read an article yeah. of Russell Wilson last night. And he states himself that they've been lying about his height. He's 5'10 and a half. Drew Brees is what, 5'11? I mean, Kyler Murray's what, 5'9? Right. Kyler Murray's the shortest of the group, I think. At, yeah. at what point does that matter? None. Not at all. Because these guys are so athletic. And that's where I love that the Grizz are doing that. They already saw, we already saw it with Dalton Sneed. Dalton Sneed's not very big. Daniel Britt, he's listed at 6 foot, 187 pounds. I don't even know if he's that. But watching his film, he fits the mold so much of what. Tim Rosenbaugh likes. I think it's it's one of the pieces that Bobby Houck deserves so much credit for. His evolution as a football coach to truly embrace the, the avenue of a mobile quarterback because it really is such an essential advantage in this day and age of college football. One thing, too, that I think is worth noting, and uh, there's, a, there's a certain obvious physiological level at which, you know, if you've been injured – you know, even when you come back from that, often whatever it is that was hurt is maybe not as strong as it was, or maybe it's more prone to injury. In some cases, that's not the case. In some cases, you're just all the way back and can even be better, per, per se. For sure. But also, I think there's a level at which a, a kid like Daniel Britt, who's been injured and even told, hey, man, I think your playing days are done, and is able to not just physically, but mentally overcome that, recover from that, and come back and then excel and succeed. There's so much to be said for that to me in the recruiting process. I mean, that that that, that is something that you have in your history and whatever the physical reality of that is, what that shows about what type of person you are is significant. And especially at, you know, the FCS level where I think 
You want, obviously, all the physical gifts that you can get, but what's going to be more impactful at this level, maybe than any other level, is what is your what is your mental emotional makeup like what type of person are you and I know that's something that both coaches put a, a tremendous emphasis on uh, to find guys that, that that they want and it's not necessarily the same person it's then there's no you know a you know, right or wrong about it but when you've demonstrated that sort of toughness on one hand but also just mental uh, uh, strength to overcome you know a scary injury and be back and be better than you were before. Uh, that's big time, and I think that says a lot about the kid. So uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. It's always hard, especially at quarterback, to know. Okay, well, is he going to come in? Is he going to? Is he going to play? How much is he going to? You know, what, how big a factor will he be? I mean, we're we're three years at a minimum, you would think, from seeing this kid on a football field in Missoula or, or, or anywhere else for the Grizzlies. But um, you know, you get a feel for it and, and the pipeline and kind of the type of kid that it is. So we'll we'll uh, we'll certainly track Daniel Britt as he goes. The self-recruitment is an interesting factor, too, because I think it's pretty clear that Montana is uh, hunkering down when it comes to recruiting right now. They got seven verbal commits. Four of those are from Montana. Three of those are from Missoula. They had all these mid-year guys that signed, and I count that as part of this upcoming recruiting class. But I just don't really know... Good job by Daniel Britt, I guess is what I'm saying, because I just don't think that the Grizz were going to be scouring over the Vegas area very much or any other area for that matter right now. It yeah. seems like the, both Montana and Montana say Montana State has the eight in-state commits as well as some places for, that have already been established as pipelines for them. We'll talk to Declan McCabe, uh, the young man that's a tight end and long snapper from Texas tomorrow, so we'll get more of his story. Maybe he's a self-recruiter too, I'm not really sure. Yeah. But... Uh, Either way, to me, when I watch Daniel Britt's film, he looks like a diamond in the rough. And so if that turns out to be the truth, the Grizz are lucky that he was able to reach out and sort of self-recruit himself to Montana. But like you said, you hit it on the head, man. Got to love his confidence. Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. On the other side, Lakers, Raiders, both 2-0. and Both pretty impressive. We'll talk about both of them right after this. You, did you know this? Sports are back. They're not just back. They're all back. NBA, NHL, MLB, everything. You need a place to watch them and watch it all. You go to the Silver Slipper. The Silver Slipper has, hello, 55 televisions for you to watch them on. So no matter what sport you're into, no matter what game you want to watch, the Silver Slipper Slipper will have it for you. Drink specials every single day. 20 keto machines, a liquor store. There's pizza. Gotta have pizza. And it's great pizzeria. There, Tarantino's. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and their urge to have a good time. And by the way, the card room is back open as well. Games nightly at 7 o'clock. So call or text 333-1500 to find out more. You can also go online, MissoulaPoker.com for information. Stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. They're across the street from Walmart on Brook Street. Check them out on Facebook for daily drink specials and up-to-date info, the Silver Slipper. 
for unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. I guess you'd have to know that I am aware that Nevada does not sit on the ocean to appreciate the humor, but it is funny. I mean, I just maintain that I'm just hilarious. Two telling new on us, 1029 ESPN Radio. You're you're getting old enough that your dad jokes are even over the heads of the teenagers. Man, these kids these days. Maybe he was trying to think, are we? Am I on an ocean? I don't think so. You don't think that's what it was? I, I don't think so. Breaking news. Billy Donovan has been hired by the Chicago Bulls. Pro sports are so amazing. It's so amazing that you can just have a tangible record of failure at a job that you then get fired from and get the same job in a different city. Now, I'm not prepared to say that yet. I'm not really prepared to say that actually at all about Billy Donovan. I mean, he won two national championships at Florida. Yeah, he's a college coach, and he was and and he he was he's the his only stop in the NBA is Oklahoma City, right? Right, and he's not a good NBA coach. He's very average. You, know, you can tell. You can tell. The coaching in pro sports is so no. You can laugh all you want, man. This is a this is not some like just pull it out of nowhere analysis. I think about this. It's the number one thing I think about when I watch the NBA and the NFL, the variance in great to bad coaches is so stark. The variance in college football coaches is not nearly as stark as it is in the NFL in terms of who's scared and who's not. Here's what I think. Billy Donovan makes no tangible difference on a game period. Therefore, that makes him a very average coach. You have very definitive takes on a lot of things that you think a lot about, but I don't know that you've like sat and seen what it is that Billy Donovan does or doesn't do. I would say that Oklahoma City, you said that they were going to be pretty good, and I give you credit. They were pretty good. I also give Billy Donovan credit because I think that they had a big chance to stink. So they didn't stink. Okay. But also, what? How long was he at Oklahoma City? Four years, five years? I mean, like that. you know. So, do I think there's better options? Sure. Well, for the Bulls, I don't know. Here's the thing: NBA coaches are just like NFL quarterbacks. Whatever tier they might fall into doesn't matter if they're not a top six of what we're talking about. Well. If you could just go out and get a top six guy, then you would, you know, but well, but here's the thing. what it is. Here's the thing, though. If you're the New York Knicks or the Chicago Bulls, you can. So why don't they No. What's their option? Who are they just going to go hire and go? OK, yeah, you're coming here now. Hey, Pop, I know you've been in San Antonio 25 years. You're going to be our coach now. That's just it. I mean, you don't you don't get to just do that. You got to pick who's available to you. Sure. You kind of are what you are, and just the mediocre coaches like Billy Donovan and Brett Brown and guys like that, I don't know. I mean, it seems like you don't go hire Pop. You go hire somebody that's from his tree 
Because that seems to be working out pretty darn good. I mean, presumably, although you told me two weeks ago Mike Malone was on the hot seat until they went and won two rounds and are now in the Western Conference Finals. So yeah, I mean, it's he was and now he's not. I mean, it's a prove-it league. <laughs> well, it's, it's just it's a fact of the matter, so. though. I mean, it's a prove-it league. Winning a playoff series, re- winning one and then two playoff series redefines where you're at as a coach. Who's the Lakers head coach? Frank Vogel. LeBron James is what the real answer is. But And that's the same thing with Oklahoma City. Okay, well, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, yeah. Is Frank Vogel the the the, the second coming of the, as an NBA coach? I think Frank Vogel's a fine coach. He was a pretty good coach in Indy. They sort of, you know, overachieved or whatever. And maybe he's getting undersold the way Spolstra got undersold when he was with the Heat. Well, he's still with the Heat, but when LeBron was with the Heat because LeBron was there. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm not going to sit here and break down, well, these these are the four or five. I mean, you can have a pretty definitive idea of who the couple best coaches in the league are basically because there's consensus among people who know these things. Me sitting and watching basketball and then just saying, well, he's a bad coach. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's on you. No, it isn't on me. I mean, you, I, mean? you got to take like, you got to take got- a all you got to do is track substitution patterns when they call timeouts, what they do out of timeouts. It's just watching no, the game. All you got to do is listen to other coaches and what they say and who they say are good coaches. And then also people who are, whether they're members of the media or insiders or whatever, who also have a very good finger of the pulse on it. Like that's where to get the information okay, on this. Okay, but, me. but when you're, when you're watching the Nuggets dismantle the Clippers, the last two games in terms of what they were doing offensively and execution mm-hmm, wise, mm-hmm. And you're watching Doc Rivers just let Nikolai Jokic just destroy Montrez Harrell. You don't think that's coaching? You gotta make a sub. You gotta try something else. That's definitively on Doc Rivers. Who? Whoever's not giving up 30, 10, and 10 triple doubles. So everybody that Jokic I mean, goes all, against. All I'm saying is the fact that the Clippers decided to roll with a small lineup and that was what ended up being their demise, that's a poor coaching decision, and that's on Doc Rivers. Well, if you're asking me to pick between Michael Malone and Doc Rivers right here today, I will take Michael Malone for a number of reasons, but I'm just not going to sit here and based on my own like in you know vision of any given game or series sit here and make proclamations about it i would i got i got to go beyond myself because i don't have the expertise to do that in my opinion okay but you could gain it by watching no you you can you can't what do you mean you can't because there's so much more that goes into it than just what happens in any given game Right, I, i know and that's why coaching is such a broad thing especially in the nba because you're right at the end of the day it's only about fit It's the only thing that actually matters. If you are the Lakers, you hire the least prestigious, most pushover coach that you can because it's not about the coach. It's about LeBron. But if you're the Thunder, you can go get a point guard-oriented coach for Chris Paul. The the coaches right now that have widely the the best reputation in the league in terms of the X's and O's, the timeouts, the substitutions are Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens, Mike Budenholzer, right, and Eric Spolstra. And what do those four guys have in common? They all coach teams that don't have true superstars. Giannis is getting there, but he's not your average American-style superstar with the ego and the entourage and all the drama. He's a totally different animal, and also he came of age in Milwaukee, so it's a whole different thing. And they are devised a scheme for him. But the other three guys, they can run all these tricky schematic things because by and large, that's what their teams need to do to win. But also, they just have teams that are devoid of superstars. But that's fit. That's a great fit. That's where Brad Stevens and his team fit so well together at the Celtics. Same with Spolster and the Heat. But on the other side of it, 
that's where all I'm saying is my criticism of is the front office. You're going to build your team and hire the coach for your team. But Phil Jackson is the greatest coach in NBA history, not because of any timeout he ever called or any substitution pattern he ever had. It's 100% because he managed a season where Michael Jordan didn't kill Dennis Rodman. <laughs> That win. You won. <laughs> Are the Lakers winning game three tonight? See, it's, a, it's such an interesting question because conventional wisdom would say that this is the game where the Nuggets will come out with something new, something tricky. They'll play with a renewed effort. They'll be, you know, they play a spirit, just like the Celtics, right? The Celtics lose the first two games, and then they come out, and they, they look like junkyard dogs. I mean, you can't score on them. You know, Marcus Smart is looking like the best defensive player in the league. That said, though, I think that the matchup – disadvantage for the Nuggets is so profound. I just don't know what renewed energy or tricky scheme can do for you. They can't guard the Lakers. Um, well, they they can't guard two Lakers anyways, and that's maybe enough to know. But when those two guys are on the floor, lose. it makes it so that Rondo has a mismatch too, and that's a bad situation. Well, I mean, there's there's mismatches, there's whatever it is you can you can talk about it all day long. I think the only thing that matters is the shot went in. And that was a crushing blow. I mean, Denver got behind early and and really, really pushed themselves to get back into that game and put themselves in a place to win the game. And then Anthony Davis makes the shot. Now, here's one area where I think this is significant. The, the Nuggets have now gone back-to-back seven-game series. We're down 3-1 in those series. And... It's a tremendous emotional lift, obviously, to come back and win and the excitement that goes with it, but it's also a mental and obviously physical uh, uh, gauntlet that they have gone through now 16 games out of a possible 16 games in the postseason. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Lakers have played only one more than the minimum that they would have had to have played. I think they had like eight days off. Was it eight days, six days, something like that between their last game and the first game? And I think that Denver, they they shut it down early, as did the Lakers in that first game because it just got lopsided in a hurry. But they put themselves on the line in every way. I mean, they 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 put everything into that game two to come out on top. And when they didn't and didn't in the way they did, I think it's really hard to turn around. Now they have to because they, they've come back twice from 3-1. They ain't coming down from 3-0. That much is for sure. Uh, so they have to win this game. And so that is a substantial motivator. But I think there's a level of, I mean, maybe this is what is, is great about great professional athletes, their ability to put professional, if I may say, devastation behind them. I mean, but that was as gut-wrenching a loss as you're going to find when you've done everything to get that one done. So that's the question that I have. And I think we're going to know early. I mean, I think in the first quarter, quarter and a half of this this basketball game, we're going to know how this thing's going to go. What do you think of the, the old guy factor? Because this is what LeBron James is the most brilliant person in the modern NBA's history, in terms of when since load management became a thing, the the narratives of trusting your teammates, having guys that have been in big game situations in the playoffs, and being able to peak when you need to peak. LeBron has been better at not only his individual performances in those realms, but also constructing rosters in that element. 
Rajon Rondo has never looked like he looked in the first two games of this series since he's worn a Lakers uniform. That's not a mistake. That's not a coincidence. Danny Green looks like 27-year-old Danny Green right now. And a part of it is just because they know that this is the it's now or never. You crank it to the max. The Nuggets, this is their first experience in this. They're younger. That's a huge intrinsic advantage, but you still have to be able to rise your level. Do you believe in that factor in this series? Well, I, I mean, I don't think there's any qu- – I don't know about this series. I mean, to just, some extent – the I dynamic do, in general. But no question, this is, at the end of the day, relatively speaking, this is an old guy league. It is. It's an old guy league. Like, the, Gary the, Harris the, has not made that corner three. Danny Green's not even thinking about it because he's made that's 300 right. of them. The guys that have done it. Are, are just the guys that you keep betting on to do it until there's the breakthrough, and you got to break that door down. And I would say that, to some extent, the Nuggets have done that. I mean, to get to a Western Conference Finals with the young core they have, particularly the path that they have taken to do it, to be the only team to ever come back twice in the same postseason from 3-1 deficits, uh, regardless of outcome here, this takes them to a new level. You know, and and I think Jamal uh, uh, is on a, on a level that, that he is now he is now a budding superstar in this league where he was a star in Denver and I think people in the you know the NBA were aware of him but what he has shown that he can be in terms of a a game and even series winning type of player I mean that's significant I wasn't sure about that about Anthony Davis until two nights ago you know and Jamal Murray he's already proven that to me and so that that is uh, but you're not it until you do it. You know, you just you just aren't. You can be the greatest player in the world. You can be all the talent. You can be Anthony Davis. But until you've done it, you haven't done it. And now he has done it. And so uh, this is this is intriguing. But look, tonight is the series. I mean, if the Nuggets win, the Lakers are probably still going to win the series. But if the Nuggets lose, it is O V E R, as we know. And so tonight, this game three is is um, it's an absolute gots to have it for the Denver Nuggets. I'm only giggling because it's uh, it's easy how we we forget so easily. Like Anthony Davis led the Pelicans to a sweep of a Blazers team that was arguably as talented or more talented than the team that the Lakers. You know, I mean that Blazers team was very good. Anthony Davis has done it before. It's just so easy to forget because even if it's just you can say it's just in the first round. There's a lot of guys that haven't even done that. A lot well, of good players that haven't even done I, I would say it's just in the first round, and I would say that nine years into his career, winning one series one time, regardless of whether it was an upset, and, and it, I mean, like you said, a sweep of a talented Blazers team, that's great, but that that is, this is certainly a bigger deal. This is a far bigger deal. Sure, because he's wearing a Lakers uniform. It's because he's in the Western Conference Finals. No doubt, no doubt, and it was a huge shot, and it was definitely an affirming moment for his career, no doubt, one that he def- desperately needed. The Raiders also won. We may follow up on that later. Nice game for the Raiders. Question marks, maybe, for the Saints? Eh, I'm not ready to go there quite yet. We'll, we'll see. See where we get to. Next, though, Bryce Carver, the head coach of the Hamilton Bronx football team. They are 4-0, and a dominant performance over the third-ranked uh, Dillon in, uh, on Friday night's game in a, in a Southwestern A showdown. Looking very good again, even after they graduated a bunch of dudes. We'll talk to him about his program, and it is a program now at Hamilton right after this. Kurt Fulleris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. It is beautiful out right now. Fall is here. Officially today, fall is here. How about that, yeah, Colter? Making me, no wonder I'm in such a great mood. Getting into my, my realm of the year now. 
Well, get outside, okay? It's the perfect time of year in Montana to be outside. Dirt bikes, they got them. Husqvarna and Beta. The side-by-sides you want and need. Go hunting, okay? Go scout your spot with the Razor, with the Ranger. You can get work done on that. My dad likes to do some logging, some little work on the property. You need a four-wheeler to get that done, okay? I know this for sure. You also get yourself a general. That's the big, bad machine. You can carry a bunch of people around. Whatever you're doing, recreating, work, hunting, all of it, anything outside off-road, they got it at Kurtz Polaris. Again, 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. Recreate the way you always envisioned in the state of Montana with Kurtz Polaris. Online at KurtzPolaris.com. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 